broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline. You're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another great episode of What's the Plan? On today's episode, we're going to be interviewing Mr. Joe Moses. He's a candidate for Monterey County Sheriff. You can learn more about Joe at his website, joemosesforsheriff.com. Again, that's joemosesforsheriff.com. Before we begin the program, though, I want to remind you that I'm Paul Wyant, owner of Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County. At Express, we can help you find great employees for your business. Give us a call today. It's 831-920-1857. Again, that's 831 831- Nine two zero one eight five seven. You can also listen to this podcast or this show in podcast form, going back to the very first episode at what's the plan monterey.com. What's the plan monterey.com. So a lot of websites to, to remember here, Joe Moses for sheriff.com. What's the plan monterey.com. And while we're throwing it out there, expresspros.com If you want to find great people for your business. Okay. With that, let's start the interview. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Today, I have the great pleasure of interviewing Mr. Joe Moses. He is running for Monterey County Sheriff, uh, and I'll ask him when the election is. I believe it's next November 2022. Is that correct, Joe? It's actually June 7th is the primary. June 7th will be the primary. Okay, I apologize. I didn't realize it was a primary, but June 7th is the primary. And uh, we're really excited to have you on the the program, Joe. Um, uh, First question, I kind of ask this about everybody. I've read a lot about you on your website. Great website. Please plug it as much as you want. Uh, you're a longtime resident of Monterey County, but can you tell us a little bit about like your upbringing, where you grew up, and uh, your desire to become a law enforcement officer? Sure. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate you having me on the show today. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure to be here, and I enjoy talking about the, the campaign coming up and, and what's going on with the sheriff's office. Um, you know, I, I grew up in, Citru- in Sacramento, Citrus Heights, outside of Sacramento, um, lived there for most of my, my young life, uh, went to college at Sac State and graduated with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice um, from Sac State. Um, I graduated in uh, June of 1994 and in December of 1994, uh, Monterey County Sheriff's Office picked me up and I've been here ever since. That. That is awesome. Now I, uh, I'm active in the Rotary Club and I've talked to like the Salinas, uh, city police and stuff. And I've also gone to the Monterey County Sheriff's website and it looks like I mean, they're just having a really hard time probably because of national news, uh, recruiting folks. Uh, can you talk about, uh, some of the challenges or if you're seeing challenges at the County level with recruiting young officers? Well, right now we're we're not. We, there are challenges. There's always challenges with recruiting. But as far as numbers go, we're doing pretty good on numbers, which is uh, I think speaks volumes to the sheriff's office and and people wanting to come and work for us. We have a lot of good support in our community for law enforcement and for the sheriff's office, and I think that our our applicants see that. And Monterey County obviously is a is a desirable place to live and work. And um, you know. We do have some challenges with the, with recruiting the, the top quality uh, candidates sometimes. But as far as sheer numbers, we're getting those people coming in and filling out applications and, and uh, going through the testing process. And we've been, we've been hiring. We, we just steadily have been hiring all through the pandemic and, and uh, just trying to get our numbers up to where they need to be. Yeah, that, that's um, great. How is, uh, if you were to describe overall morale in, uh, Monterey County Sheriff's Office. Uh, how would you how would you describe that right now? Is it are you guys pretty good? 
I, yes, I feel like we're pretty good. Um, there's always places that we can improve, obviously, you know, and, and we constantly are working on strategies to be improve morale, making sure that people are, 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 um, are taken care of in the department, making sure that employees feel important. And I think from our community and, and our community, making sure that they support law enforcement and the folks that work at the sheriff's office is really important to keeping that morale high. So we're always constantly looking at trying to keep our morale up and ways to improve. But I think overall, our morale is pretty good around the office. That's all. Yeah. They, uh, I hear the ads for the sheriff's posse, the, the, with the place where all the events are, it sounds like a fun place to go, but, uh, I guess you went it, rented for weddings and stuff like that to help out with, uh, that's, that's uh, an interesting, that's an interesting little twist we could throw out there right now. Uh, so the sheriff's posse actually has not affiliated with the sheriff's office. No, really? I, I've heard these ads. How, how can they legally do that? Come on. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No, a long, long, long time ago, the sheriff's posse was started. Um, I don't know. I don't, the history, I don't know if it was started by the sheriff's office or, and they just separated or if they just started on their own. But, uh, yeah, the sheriff's posse out in Salinas, a uh, great organization. I am but they are not associated actually with the sheriff's office. We do work closely with them. I mean, we'll, we'll go out and, uh, and go out to some of the events that they might have, or if their board wants us to, a, a sheriff's representative, come talk to them. We, we certainly do that. But as far as being a, affiliated, they're, they're not. Well, Joe, that, that is my interview style. Just be completely ignorant, ask, ask dumb questions. And then, <laughs> and then it may, it puts you up, but you know, it really <laughs> helps you out. Hopefully. There you so, go. Hey, uh, the, so I'm looking at some of your experience. It's great. Some of the great stuff you've done. Special operations team. Can you, can you talk a little bit about this? And does this involve, now here's something that I'm really interested in that, uh, what is it called? The, for the impossible city out there on Fort Ord. It's, does it involve that? And can you talk, talk a little bit about a special operations team? And for people listening, the, the impossible cities like this, I think it's an old military like city that, uh, is just in the middle of nowhere. And I think it's for live round training. But anyway, go, please uh, uh, yeah. elaborate on your, your experience. Sure. Early on in my career, I did have the opportunity to go out to Impossible City and did some uh, did some training out there, and that's what it is. It's it's a city where uh, we they set up scenarios, uh, whether it be um, for a SWAT team or or the deputies on the street, where we can do some live um, scenario based training, and and it's uh, it's meant to be able to put you into a position that you're probably not going to win, and then you can critique it afterwards. That's why they call it Impossible City. Um, I don't think it's active anymore. Um, you know, since it with the, with all the realignment and everything with Ford Ord, I'm not sure if it's still uh, active. We we turned it. We actually have what we call a shoot house that we built out in for, a different part of Ford Ord, um, where we can do some interior um, um, scenario based training. Mm. Uh, what I used it for in, in early in my career was search and rescue. So we used it as a, as buildings to repel from. We built a couple of high lines to go from one side of the street to the other, uh, and that kind of thing. So that's where I was uh, active. Um, going into my special operations, I, uh, I was in special operations for, I think, almost eight years, uh, first as a sergeant and then as a commander. Um, and special operations for the sheriff's office involves uh, you're running the SWAT team, the bomb squad, search and rescue, aero squadron, um, the mounted unit, uh, all of our special units. And then in, in addition, you also are running all the special events in the county, like at Laguna Seca, uh, Pebble Beach, down at the Lake San Antonio all those things fall under special operations as well. And then um, in addition to, to that is also like our natural disasters that we have responding as incident command um, to, to re- respond to those things. So one of my specialties um, throughout my career, I, tra- I did a, um, 
I got my master's degree from CSU Long Beach in Emergency Services Administration, and I developed an expertise in these responses to these natural disasters. Um, and so I've been in the incident command for uh, the Basin Complex fire, the Sobranes fire, um, involved in the River Fire recently, Pfeiffer Fire. So I got a kind of an expertise in that. Um, and I've actually been known throughout the state uh, to go and, and help with uh, searches for the um, uh, missing people on some of these natural disasters that we have. That, that's phenomenal. Yeah, I know uh, from my military background, like the uh, those emergency operation centers and a lot of those coordination pieces, it's just it's so critical to the success of those missions, whether it be a wildfire search and rescue or, or anything else, yeah. uh, if it's civil unrest or anything that 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 kind of leadership is an experience is critical. Uh, can you talk about uh, a little bit about your leadership experience and why you think that uh, the, 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 the sheriff's uh, department, you know, you would really flower under your leadership or how, how you think the, the deputies and, and the, the rest of the officers would react to your leadership? Sure. So, you know, I think you nailed it, Paul, is uh, when you talked about collaboration. That's what I bring to the table. Um, being able to collaborate with all of our government agencies, all the our community-based organizations, just the individual um, communities within Monterey County, because it's a huge county. You know, it stretches all the way from the Santa Cruz uh, border down to Big Sur, all the way down to San Luis Obispo and Camp Roberts, all the way up to Red Barn on the uh, in the interior. Um, so it's a huge county and uh, being able to appeal to and learn and listen to all those various communities and being as a sheriff protecting all of those, you know, being able to reach out to them and collaborating with, with every single person or, or community in our uh, county. Um, one of my, one of my uh, crowning moments, if, if you will, on uh, to, to kind of illustrate my leadership skills, um, I, t- I mentioned that I'm got an expertise in fires and doing evacuations and doing the, um, um, follow up with, with, you know, everything that's involved in evacuation and then also with the searching for missing people. So, um, when we had the Tubbs fire up in Sonoma County, uh, a couple of days into that fire and it had gone through several neighborhoods and, and just, uh, um, burned down a lot of different structures, whole trailer parks and that kind of thing. And they were struggling to, to search for the missing people. So I was called upon by the state California office of education, uh, California state office of emergency services, um, to go ahead and head up that search up in Sonoma. I went up there and we, we brought together a large group of, uh, of people, searchers, dog, uh, search dogs, detectives to uh, search through all the the um, the structures that were burned and look for these missing people. So we we were successful in that, and I thought, you know, that's a horrendous scene. It was it was uh, uh, horrible to see, and I just thought that's that's the worst I'm ever going to see. And then the very next year was the Tubbs fire. I mean, sorry, the campfire up in uh, Paradise, and. Uh, about three days into that fire, it had burned through paradise and, and burned thousands of structures, and they had thousands of missing people up there. Uh, I got called once again by uh, um, the state to go up and run that search operation. Uh, when I got up there, I talked with the sheriff, and he said, Joe, your instructions are to search every single structure that was burned, and there was about 1,200, and to find every single missing person because I don't want somebody to come up come home and find their loved one in the, in the burned out structure. So I said, sure, Sheriff, we'll get that done. I'll put it together. We had 56 of the 58 County search and rescue teams on scene at that. Um, We called in fire departments. We called in search dogs from throughout the country. Um, 
anthropologists from all over the place. And what I did was I, I structured that, I organized that into groups. And each group had fire a firefighter component, a search component, a search dog component, an anthropologist component. So we would put these teams together so the fire department would go in and make sure that the, that structure was safe. Then the search dogs would come in and see if they could find, identify any re, uh, area there might be remains. And then the search teams came in, sifted through the ashes to look for the remains. And when they did find something, and I'm talking about the size of probably a, you know, a two or three inch piece of, of poss- possibly bone, um, then we had the anthropologists come in to identify whether or not it was human or if it was animal or maybe just a piece of porcelain. Um, and so then we had the anthropologists do that. And then on top of that, to identify that actual victim, right, you know, if we were to send that out to have that tested for DNA, it would take up to six weeks to get those results back. We were able to bring in a piece of technology that was able to identify those pieces within about six hours. So we were quickly able to identify those missing people when we found those little pieces of, of remains. On the other side of that, which was also under my command, was the search of the uh, um the investigation into the missing people, because we had thousands of missing people, but a lot of them had left the area and we just didn't know where they were, but they were reported by loved ones as missing. So tracking down all those leads and bringing detectives in from all over the state to help us track the uh, track that down and get it all down. And I, I'm proud to say that after about 14 days of searching um, and with 1,200 people in the field per day, we were able to search every every single structure and we located every single victim. So that's what kind of what I bring to the table. Um, people recognize that as, as my leadership skills and bring bringing the right people into the mix and giving them the direction and the vision, and then they can go out and, and follow through and, and meet our goals. Get yep. the mission done. Yeah. Well, I have to ask you, cause that, that seems critical to me. And maybe you can describe a little bit about the operational difficulties of uh, being the Monterey County Sheriff, but we have the Bradley oil fields. We have the one, we have the big Sur coastline where people could, you know, all sorts of things can happen on, on big Sur. You've got a mountain mountainous region between those two where people can get lost. And then you've got, uh, west of Soledad, you've got mountains near Pinnacles and, and, you know, people can get lost and there's all sorts of stuff that can, emergencies that can happen there. And then you can go all the way up to uh, South Watsonville and, uh, and those areas, the coastal areas. And that is, I think we're about two thirds the size of Connecticut for our, <laughs> yeah, our county. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something on that order. I, don't, I haven't done the yeah. math, but I think it's yeah. about two thirds the size of Connecticut. How operationally do you, do you wrap your arms around that? Well, I spent uh, over 20 years with our search and rescue team. That's kind of where I started to buy, uh, cut my teeth as, as developing my leadership skills. And, um, you know, I had a passion for the search and rescue. So I, when you ask those questions, that's right up my alley. Um, you know, we have to draw upon, again, talking about collaboration, we have to draw upon all the resources we have in these different areas, whether it be the fire department down in Big Sur, um, Cal Fire or Big Sur Volunteer Fire Brigade. Our volunteers, we have a, we have a very large cadre of volunteers. Uh, volunteers with the search and rescue team and being able to work with those guys and bringing everybody together for towards that that common goal did you uh i believe i read on your website uh air uh, air support or drone support there was something for search and rescue you you've uh you brought in an aircraft or or was that am i misremembering no no you're you're correct in that so uh when i was in in special operations and i was running uh, i was in charge of the aero squadron and the aero squadron is made up of uh, both deputies sworn deputies and uh, volunteer pilots um when I took over, we were flying private pilots and, you know, they were a great resource. They were helping with search and rescue operations. They would help with transportation. They would help with some surveillance. But the to make that 
team grow and make that team more useful, they need, we needed a dedicated aircraft. We need an aircraft that had the, the air to ground communications, be able to talk to the deputies on the street. Um, we needed to have some surveillance equipment with a camera, you know, that could record and, um, and something that would be useful for transportation that could help stay up in, in the air for a while. So we were able to identify, um, an aircraft that San Mateo was getting rid of, um, that had, that met all those capabilities and, uh, went to, um, the Monterey Peninsula Foundation and asked them to help us support that financially. And we were able to put that together. Um, I take that back. We didn't have the, the camera was not on the airplane, but we had the, the ground communication and it was in great shape. Um, but we were able to work with DLI who was getting rid of one of their cameras. Um, and they donate DLI was able to donate that to uh, not DLI, sorry, Naval Postgraduate School was able to donate that to the Sheriff's Aero Squadron. And we put on the airplane and that's up and running today and, and a huge asset for us. That That is a uh, fantastic. Let's, let's get into one of my uh, favorite topics and, and you, I believe is your top priority. I just want to throw some statistics out there. If we, if we forget about COVID for a minute, uh, on a normal year, something like 30 to 60,000 people will die of the flu. Like I think there's 20,000 or less homicides nationwide. I'm talking nationwide. So 20,000 less homicides, maybe 30 to 60,000 people die of the flu. Last year, 2020, just reported that over 100,000 people died of accidental drug overdoses. And this includes fentanyl, uh, the new P2P meth, and all of these other things. And when I get into this drug issue, it starts to bleed into mental health. Because as I've said on this program before, it's like to like Steve McShane and others have said, you we there were homeless people when we were kids, because I'm about your age, uh, I believe, Joe. But they're and there were a handful. Now, if you drive, if you look by the 101 there in Salinas, there are hundreds and hundreds. And and whether you chicken or egg it, there are lots of reasons people are homeless, but 90, I would say 99, maybe 95% of it now is largely due to some form of substance abuse. And people are dying. I mean, you can say the, over 100,000 died of of, um, of uh, accidental overdose. And you, what your top priority is focusing on mental health. And that I think those two, that drug uh, piece and the mental health piece bleed into each other. And, and it'd be interesting to hear your plan because you have some interesting ideas on that subject. Sure. Yeah. I, I think our homelessness problem, a uh, crisis and substance abuse crisis, and they're often, in, like you said, are often interchanged, um, are really at the basis are our mental health issues uh, in large part. Um, and we need to start taking some meaningful action to try to combat that. And what can we do to uh, help those people so that um, they are of a more sound mind and able to make their some decisions to, uh, for themselves and become productive citizens. So we have a unique opportunity in our county right now to build a behavioral health center. This, the uh, the jail is building an expansion, which hopefully will be open next month or early January. And we're going to be vacating part of our, our existing jail. And it's a perfect opportunity to build that into a, a behavioral health center. I'm already working with, uh, with behavioral health at the county level as long as well as with some community-based organizations to do a complete renovation of that older jail, part of the jail to turn it into a more therapeutic environment and to help uh, uh, alleviate some of the pressures that we're feeling from this uh, homelessness and substance abuse issues that we have. And so it's more of a more of a wraparound um, program to, you know, whether we get you on the, on the medications, level you out uh, uh, as far as your medications go and in conjunction with some um, some therapy so that we can get you to, to be more productive and be able to hold a job. And maybe if we if we get you to that point, once you get released or you, you, you leave the facility, you'll be able to get that transitional housing and, and really um, help these folks that that need a lot of help. Um, in this county right now, there is a lot of organizations and a lot of uh, community based folks that are ready to help 
It's just it's fragmented, I feel. And so we need one one person and it may, and it can be the sheriff. And if I'm elected sheriff, I would do, I would be willing to take this on to bring those people together, to collaborate together. You know, maybe we host these meetings at the sheriff's office and bring everybody on the same page and try to do some um, some very meaningful work uh, with this population. You have some success with uh, the JBCT program, which uh, was I think is kind of similar to what you're that was jail based uh, treatment program. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that is that with that with that success, your previous success help inform you on this. Absolutely. I've seen. So the, the jail based competency, competency treatment program is basically instead of sending somebody to the state hospital to go through therapy and get their and their um, medication um, so that they can come back and stand trial. We can actually we're actually doing that in our jail right now instead of sending them out. So they get immediate help. And uh, we bring them up to that competency level. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll see some people come into our intake area from, from the street who are really, uh, really suffering from a mental health crisis. We put them into that program, into a setting that's more, much more therapeutic with their uh, psychologist, psychiatrist, making sure that they, they're on the regular medication uh, regimen. And, you know, within three, four days a week, you can really see a marked improvement in their in their uh, cognitive abilities and their abilities just to function uh, in everyday life. Um, so that has that has really been encouraging for me, and that's what I want to expand into a behavioral health center where we'll have not just eleven beds, which is what we're going to have in in the jail based competency uh, program, but maybe one hundred and fifty beds that we'll be able to build. And so whenever we have a deputy or an officer on the street that runs across somebody that's in a mental health crisis. And there's really not a whole lot of beds in this county. We have about 20 beds in this county that that can accommodate that. Um, so the tendency is either they we take them in and the doctors are are are, are um, not forced, but you know they're uh, pressured into releasing them because they need the bed space. This will uh, this will enable more space to be available so that we can do better treatment. That is, to, yeah, go ahead. I was going to touch real quick too, Paul. You, you mentioned substance abuse. Right now in the jail, we are starting, and I just got funding for this about two weeks ago um, to start a robust medically assisted treatment program, MAP program, where we're trying to help these people that are addicted with, through medication and through counseling. The, 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 I think you need to. Both both components, but we're going to we're building that into our jail right now uh, in a specialized housing unit with those that care that they actually need to try to kick their habits. That that's phenomenal. Yeah, I love love all that. Uh, we talked a little. One of your other priorities was efficiency and morale. We talked a little bit about that uh, before, and then I little without getting too deep into uh, Sheriff uh, Bernal's uh, trials and tribulations. He was censured by the the um, the county supervisors. One of your other priorities is emphasizing collaboration and transparency. And I think, I think what you're saying, and, and you can elaborate is you really need to, you really need to get buy-in from all the stakeholders, including like the county, county supervisors to get some of these initiatives, whether it be uh, the program you just spoke about in the vacated um, jail cells or any kind of drug treatment program and things like that. And uh, how, how are you going to work with uh, county leaders uh, differently than maybe the other, the folks you're running against and, uh, and, and maybe has previously been done in the, uh, in the sheriff's office? Sure, that's a great question. Um, my focus is on that collaboration and and to be able to collaborate with uh, with whether it's our government leaders or it's a, the community. You have to build the relationship. You have to have a conversation, and the conversation is not going to be productive if you don't have a relationship and you don't have trust. And the only way that we can build trust is through transparency. So you know, I, I need to be able to go to a board of supervisors, met either a member or to the board. Um, 
and be able to explain exactly what we're trying to do, why we're trying to do it, and what it's going to take to do that. And and that's through transparency, you know, to build that relationship. Um, and that's what I bring to the table. I have done that throughout my entire career. Um, it's how I've gotten to the position that I am and, and gotten through 27 years with the sheriff's office. And that's what I will continue to do as sheriff. That's great. And can you talk a little bit about, uh, as much as you're comfortable with, uh, the other there are four other named people. I don't know. Maybe it's increased now, but there's there's a lot of people running. Uh, some of them are from Marina or the airport, and some are from inside the sheriff's office. Can you explain, um, you know, how you might be different or why you think you're better for the job, uh, the best best choice for the job? And uh, you know, is there is there any hard feelings if someone, you know, they're I've been in large workspaces all my life. Is there any hard feelings after one faction or another wins that election? Like, is everybody able to come back together? And what would be your plan to bring everybody back together from another one of the, maybe a sheriff's deputy or another person within the sheriff's department that, that doesn't win or, you know, what's your, how do, how do you do that the day after either you win or they win? Well, I'll start with the first part of your question, and what do I bring? Um, I bring that experience. I know this county. I've worked in Monterey County for the Monterey County Sheriff's Office, like I said, for 27 years. I have a story about every single corner of the county. I have been everywhere. I've done pretty much everything you can think of in the Sheriff's Office. And it's very different. Uh, A Sheriff's Office is very different than a police department. Um, The Sheriff's Office provides services such as the county jail, the civil division, the coroner division. We maintain all the databases for law enforcement in the entire county, including the police departments. So when when we talk about numbers, the, sher- the sheriff's office, about 35% of that is law enforcement. 65% of the operation is those other services that I just mentioned. So when you talk about a police department, a police department is very focused on law enforcement. That's pretty much all, that's their mandate. That's what they do. They're, they're patrol cars on the street investigating crimes. The sheriff's office is much, much more than that. And so I, I come with an understanding of the operation in totality, and I understand our budget, and I understand the relationships that we have uh, throughout the county and with our board of supervisors and other other elected officials. Um, if we, uh, you know, when, uh, the race, and, and my my hope is that this race is is everybody campaigns on what their qualifications are, and then at the end of the day, we let the voters decide which one they feel is going to be the best candidate. Um, I think that again, I'll get my message out there, and I want to inform the the uh, electorate that I uh, I have this experience, and this is what I bring to the table. And at the end of the day, uh, whoever is voted into office, I will need to support that, and and that's how you you avoid those factions. Is okay, that's what the voters have decided, and we're going to move forward, and we're gonna, I will support uh, whatever the decision of the voters is. Outstanding, good. Great answer. Uh, Joe Moses for sheriff.com. Joe Moses for sheriff.com. So Joe, uh, anything, we have a couple minutes left, anything that I've maybe left out that you wanted to bring up uh, during this conversation? We covered, uh, we covered pretty much all of my, uh, my uh, points that I wanted to make, but um, yeah, right now I, I, I'm the captain in charge of the jail, Um, actually custody operations bureau, which includes the jail, the the courts, uh, transportation units. Um, I have, I work with a 70 million, approximately $70 million budget and I have 300, 
120 uh, employees. That's both contract and uh, sheriff's office staff. Um, so I have that experience. I've been been doing that for the last two years. And prior to that, I ran the operate the uh, custody operations for two years before that. So I understand. I under, again, I understand budgets. I'm always in the black. We always uh, uh, meet our our budget requirements. Um, and uh, like you said, keeping that motivation up, keeping that morale up is is a huge part of what we deal with every single day. And that's what we will continue to do. Yeah. that And you know what you didn't mention, which I always talk about with police folks is uh, training. Because you guys, there's always some like training boxes. And if you fall out of the training, uh, the, the cycle, it messes everything up. But uh, but yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed our talk, Joe. I think uh, I wish you the best of luck. And when again, was it June 7th, you said? June 7th, yeah. 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 And uh, best of luck then. And if you want to come back again before the election, uh, please do. It was, a, it was a pleasure talking to you. And I, and I, I don't know, I, I think we covered a lot of ground. And uh, I really do wish you the best of luck. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I'll, t- I'll tell you, Paul, is I don't have any problem coming back on your show anytime you want to, because again, this is how we could get and talk to our citizens. This is how we talk to the to the community and uh, uh, getting what we do at the sheriff's office out there. And that's what I think is very important. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank my guest, Mr. Joe Moses. Again, it's Joe Moses for sheriff.com. And I also want to remind you that I'm Paul Wyan, owner of Express Employment Professionals. At Express, we can find your, help your business find great employees. And if you're an employee, we can help you find a great business to work at. So give us a call today, 831-920-1857. Again, that's 831-920-1857. Or you can find us on the web at expresspros.com. And also, you can find this episode of What's the Plan on the internet at whatstheplanmonterey.com. And guess what? When you're there, it's an embarrassment of riches because you can listen to every episode going back to the very first one, whatstheplanmonterey.com. I want to thank Mr. Mark Carbonero. He is the greatest producer in the business. And I also would like to thank Mr. David Marzetti. He is the host of the Saturday Morning Shagbag Radio Show right here on 101.1 FM and 1460 AM. That's at 9 AM on Saturdays. Thank you, David. Without you, we could not make this program possible. Also, I want to encourage all of you to stay tuned because up next is Mr. Edward King with Business Sense Radio. Final.